right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. It's all brought to you by CarParts.com. It is the smarter way to shop for all your vehicle replacement, collision, maintenance, and repair parts needs. Find them CarParts.com. Kevin, how you feeling about today, man? This is right up your alley for the subject matter, bro. Oh, man, I am amped up, dude. Oh, you know how much both of us love to cut metal, weld metal, melt it back together, throw sparks, and make cool stuff. And that's what today is all about. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because, you know, when you start to learn, understand, and kind of appreciate how metal moves and the whole dance it takes to get it to, you know, work, and, and start applying that with, with guys who are real creative that have, you know, sky's the limit mentality that, you know, on a dare say things like, well, well, hell yeah, I could do that. I'll build that. I don't care. You know, I love when you combine those two. It's like it's alchemy for, you know, a, you know, a, a fantastic car combination. Yeah, man. And these are the kind of guys that bring car builds to another level because there's so many of us out there that can unbolt and bolt things on and, and whatever else, right? We can get a kit. We can install it. Uh, you know, we can tune some things. Uh, but when you get a guy that can just make from scratch whatever comes to your imagination their imagination the combination of the two right and just make metal artwork i mean that is just too cool that's that's your favorite stuff at a car show yep i've seen another mustang i've seen another camaro oh but this one yeah custom headers wow look at that exhaust system you know like that's not out of a box Man, that's got some skill to it, you know? Hey, what gets me are the subtle, subtle moves that people will make in their builds that otherwise you probably wouldn't even notice unless you you understood what the lines of the cars, you know, were from the factory. Like, for me, if I walk up on a, you know, a Gen 2 Charger, for that matter, a first-gen Charger, and somebody's moved metal on it or done something to it, I'm going to be like, oh, wait, 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 that's not normal that's a subtle difference that's a an aggressive approach to that body line uh, or a great a great way to incorporate another one you know it's subtle moves like that that really make you appreciate their work 
Yeah, and there's some unsubtle ones that also make you appreciate yeah. the work. And those are the ones that are like, damn, sir, that is awesome. Now, we work in, uh, you know, modifying. And again, we talked about, can you get it out of a box and can you bolt it on? Um, and then, which is great in a lot of these newer cars, right? Everything's in kit. Like, it, it bolts on a lot of these newer vehicles. But, you know, a lot of us work against the grain. You know, we just can't go with the flow. We can't just go, well... What could I order? Click there. It's delivered. Now I can put it on. It's what do I want to build? What do I want to move? What combination? And man, once you start deviating from the norm, oh boy, you better have a skill set in your back pocket and some tools or some great friends or contacts like Ernie uh, Miyamoto, man. This guy with MotoFab is one of our local guys uh, in Detroit. He is the go-to when you need some custom fabrication, whether it's cage welding uh, sheet metal work, uh, and he's really, really well known for uh, all his custom exhaust. Uh, you know, all mandrel bends, but you know, butt welded, stainless, and the goods, headers, man, the goods. You know, the header part. That's that's when you step up a level because I think you can work your way up to installing a muffler. Maybe you start doing some pipes. Now you've done a full exhaust system. But man, when you can go to flange to tailpipe, you know, when you can route a set of headers through some really tight packaging and you can make it look sexy, you are the champ. And that's that's Ernie, man. Now, you're not taking anything away from the guys that love the rat rod platforms, right? Throw stick at it. They'll throw some MIG at it without <laughs> gas, you know? Splatters the game, bro. They don't care about holes. Like, come on, that is savage artwork. I welded me some hex nuts in there, two bottle caps, and a slot car. Look at that. It's holding that thing together perfect. And I got a beer opener. Right. Who yeah. doesn't? <laughs> duh. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm all about every every spectrum of creativity, every spectrum. Because there's a certain skill in making things look a certain way, even if they're crudely fabricated, you know. But, right, but right. Uh, you know, there's definitely, you know, on, on my scale, you know, some high props for guys that can just do the really clean, precision tight work man oh it gives me uh, goosebumps you know yeah it's like that ufc meme with joe rogan and stuff they're like damn <laughs> yeah. pop the hood and see a great set of headers like oh savage yeah uh well we have a savage on with us today i can't wait let's take a break and we'll bring him on ernie now i don't want butcher's last name miyamoto from moto fab in detroit city man miyamoto yeah he's gonna give us all kinds of tips and tricks and if you ever want to deviate from the norm this is the guy you want to tap into right here, man. During the break, just Google MotoFab, and you'll see the first car that pops up. Says it all. It's awesome. We're back in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Back after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
It is the Two Guys Ride Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And big ups to our friends at CarParts.com. They're on a mission, y'all, to deliver drivers the right part at the right price and to get drivers back on the road. That's where we all want to be, need to be. And a guy who's, man, speaking of being on the road, this guy's covered some grounds. Racing, grabbing people's attention, whether it's car shows, eighth mile, drag strips, um, or back alleys. I guarantee when this guy rolls up in any car he's got, he's got a lot of people chatting. He's got a lot of people talking. That's right, man. Ernie, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you on, man. I've known him for years and uh, always one of the favorite guys I love to run into, whether it's at you know Cars and Coffee, a big event, whatever. Uh, love to see what he's uh, bringing to the show, bringing to the event, wherever it is, or some of the other cars that are there that have his goods all over it, his fingerprints, man. Tell us, you know, how did you get started? How long ago was it? And uh, what, what kind of drove you into the fab end of things? Um, well, first of all, thanks, Kevin and Willie, for having me on the show. Um, you know, it all started when I was younger. You see these cars that were super nice. I mean, high-end cars. And then you look underneath them, and they got that $300 muffler job on there, the hanging down crooked and whatever. So it was kind of like my pet peeve of my first car that I built that my stuff wasn't going to hang down and you weren't going to see it. And then from there, it evolved to my first set of headers that I did. And it's like this to me, it really wasn't that hard of a deal to do. And you get these other guys that look like they, they can't even imagine how you even start. But, you know, it, I guess you can say it came fairly natural to me to do this. Well, this is going to be interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, clearly you had a knack for it. You had, you know, a, a natural ability to, to see the puzzle, put it together. So hopefully we can kind of pick it apart. And I've done a couple sets of headers myself and and and, and try to make it uh, so, so folks out there can kind of grasp some of the concept. And maybe a few of them out there might even give it a try. Hey, pie cuts in a swear jar, man. Pie cuts in a swear jar. You, you know, <laughs> a couple things that that I look at is everybody's asked me, you know, the first thing is that myth that they all have to be the exact same length. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a specific time where they have to be that, but most of the stuff I do is fit function and, you know, the artistic end of it. And, you know, once I look at something again, you take 10, 15 minutes, I can figure out where the pipes are going and I'm starting to cut tubing up. And other guys are like, I, you know, where do you, where do you start? Where, how do you know that that first pipe's going to fit there? So, hey, Ernie, I got to ask, man, because you seem like to me, you know, muscle car, drag racer, street racer guy. I know you had a brother who's big into hot rodding. I had, a, I got a twin brother big into hot rodding. That always was great competition growing up in her cars and who's going to go faster. What did you do as a younger Ernie uh, that really got you plugged in, excited, and kind of moved the needle for you? Was it racing? Was it just the pure fabrication part? It was my dad. My dad was big into the car thing. He actually had three Hemi cars at one time. Ooh, and then, wow. yeah, we had, uh, he had two 68 Hemi chargers and then, or Hemi Roadrunners and one 68 wow. Hemi charger. And then when I got old enough to drive, uh, my dad bought me a 67. Chevy two that I still own currently. So I've had that car since 81. Wow. So, you know, kudos to my dad for getting me into this. When you, when you ripped out those Mopars, I mean, Willie almost just slid right out of his chair. He was like, woo, man. Yeah, man. I'm you, like, oh, Ernie's a Mopar, man. I love <laughs> this guy, man hug. You know, I, I'm not brand specific. You know, I, I used to be when I was younger, but you know what? I've worked on so many different cars from you know, foreign cars to, you know, a Mopar to a Chevy to, to all of them. And to me, a, a, 
a cool car is a cool car. Yeah, and it, you know, Ernie, it's probably that love of of the variety of it, and you can appreciate, you know, from the way they aesthetically look to how they perform to what they were designed for, who they're designed after. You know, as you step back in time nowadays looking at cars, I think we all have learned to appreciate a wider spectrum and just that era because it's so different than what you're driving today. Uh, you know, basically a little computer, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, again, look at my profile and, and yeah. who, who makes a hot rod out of a Volkswagen Beetle, right? Yeah. You know, never, never in a million years would you would have thought, you know, something like that. Give but us the rundown on that bad boy. Yeah. It's a, it's a 72 Super Beetle. Um, it's, original, it's a steel body that's on a hydraulic system. It's got the standard, the stock floor pan in it, but it's a full custom frame front to back with a Dana 60 in it. And it's got a 572 GM crate motor. And, uh, they did power tour with it uh, two years ago and had a freaking ball with that thing. <laughs> but Ernie, you, what you're leaving out is, guys, if you were to walk up on this car, the way it, in the way it looks, its appearance, you know, even the hubcaps, and you know, and, and, unless you saw the the width of the tire, and it, it, it would throw you off. But the car from the side looks just like a stock '72 Beetle. It's insane. The, the 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 stock exhaust tips are welded on the back just as dummies, um, you know. So again, for the car going down the road or seeing it in the parking lot, unless the body's up, you know, you you think something's a little up with that, but not you don't you don't second guess it until you actually go close to it. When you fire that thing up, you know, I've been in Vegas before, I had my my car under big marquees, big you know big block Roadrunner, five hundred forty two cubic inches. I fired that thing up, and the whole line going in the club ducked. Um, have you ever have you ever had yeah. something like that when people were not expecting that car, you know, to hit on five hundred seventy two cubic inches? You light it off, and people kind of lose it. The, the the best is actually driving down the road because at, at you know under under forty, you can actually uh, lift the body up with the hydraulics. So to see these people, they pull up next to you and they give you the thumbs up and they look at you. And then, you know, you sit there and pull it up either at the traffic later when you're driving down the road, these, the, the people go berserk. It's, it's, it's the funnest car you'll ever, ever be in, in your, in your life. And that's one thing we'll, we'll never sell that car. That, that car is a family, family jewel from here. And, and the thing is, is that car was built 25 years ago. What's the wheelbase on that thing? Uh, standard it's stock. So whatever a stock Beetle is. Oh, my God. It's, it's got to be like a handful to drive. It's got to be a riot. It's it's It actually drives down the road well. It is a little squirrely at the big end, though. I'll say so that. So coming from a guy who's who's packed some big motors and some small stuff, I don't know if I've ever put a 572 in a Beetle. And I've definitely worked on Beetles. I've pulled motors out. I know what space supposed to be in there, man. How long did it take you to build that ride? And then how many times during the build did you say, what the F am I doing? That car originally took nine months to build oh, from start wow. to finish. It was built on a dare. Somebody said that we couldn't do it and uh, proved them wrong. And then, you know, and then again, just to, just to build the car normal, you know, my dad actually went to the extreme and made the body flip like a funny car. And, you know, you got to go over the top. You got to do the showstopper. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it does. It does, man. And on a dare, it makes it even cooler than what it, you could ever imagine. So that's what legends are made out of, Ernie. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like a 10-ounce ham in a 2-ounce can. Right on. So, you know, another one I'm working on right now, I have actually a 62 Ford Capri from the UK. Um, I don't know if you, you guys have probably never seen one. I don't know. But uh, original four-cylinder car, the guy came to me to, to do a V8 swap and asked me, 
looking at the motor compartment, we could do a small block Ford in there. And I looked at him and said, I put a big block in a Volkswagen. I'm sure I could do this. Oh yeah. And uh, the header challenge came up on this car big time. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you think you got enough room and then, Oh, oof. Well, you, you know, again, here, here's one thing that, that, that I actually look at building a car because I'm an exhaust guy, I actually build the car with the exhaust in mind. A lot of people or places will actually build the car for the cool aspect of it. And then the other part, they forget about the details of, hey, you got to fit either a two and a half inch or a three inch exhaust all the way back on this car. So then they put the challenge on the exhaust people of what they've already finished. And, I mean, and that's just one one forgetful area like the exhaust but there's there's many like where are you going to route this where are you going to route oh, yeah. that did you leave enough room for your radiator and a fan you know or fuel, fuel pump, pump. <laughs> yeah you know yeah are you going to run ac in this thing well you know that would have been nice to think about ahead of time just any of those things um yeah you get some big chunks in there and you're like woohoo and then you realize there's a whole lot so, of subsystems that go in you know a legit car yeah right? so so being a header guy when i get a guy when I get a guy that calls me up and says, hey, I need a set of headers for a big block Chevelle. Okay, number one is, is it a race port head? Does it have the factory steering in it? Four-speed car automatic? How big a pipe you want to run? And where are we going with it? You know, it's not just like, oh, yeah, I can build these right out of the box and, and go. It, it doesn't fit. It doesn't work. You got to have all these variables in place when you start. So is that what basically led you to start Motofab? And, and what do you guys as a company sort of – uh, what's your mission statement if you had one? What do you? What's your bread and butter? What do you love working on? And what are what are some of the crazy things? It's it's funny you say mission statement. I've really never thought of one other than you know fabrication with style. And if you look at the headers, which is my pride, um, when I build some a set of headers, my biggest thing that I pride on is symmetry. If the pipes on one side of the car are going one way and twisting around, the ones on the other side are going to do the same thing. So when you open the hood. They're identical left to right. That's that's the biggest well, thing. That's the next level on. right there, man. Because most people are like, I just want to get one, four pipes yeah. on one side and four pipes on the other side, right? They're just trying to get the same number, you know, routed through. Right. You pop the hood and this guy's got one pipe going on in no man's lane just to go around the steering and come back. And there's not one on the other. And if they're ceramic coated silver, they stand out like sore thumbs. It's, there's other options. And. That's like I said, I take that time to, to pre-map that stuff out ahead of time. And then, you know, the, I love the ones that just say, hey, just do what you got to do. I want something that nobody else has. Ernie, Ernie, man, and, you got to burn through headache medicine like I do honey buns, bro. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you got to see, he's got, you know, at least one or more sets that, that just twist and fold like a pretzel, you know, just for fun, right? Like, obviously there's twisting and folding just to get through the car and, and down to the bottom, but, you know, he's got some that kind of, Literally, it's like, you know, braiding. Aesthetics. Yeah, braiding. And it's yep. it, it looks just rad. You know, it's it's cool. Those, those are the guys I love. Like, um, I just finished up a Hemi car, um, a 32 Plymouth. And the guy came to me and said, hey, I, I need this filled. And being a Hemi, there's a little, the way that they, the ports come out by the frame. But anyways, I did a little twisted thing on there. Not as extreme as what I did on a 32 Ford with a, um, coyote motor in it. That one was my, my rat's nest. We actually named that car Medusa spelling Medusa with deuce. Cause it was a 32 Ford, um, and a 32 valve motor. So that car, that car is my, if you will, my, uh, my market, 
that one there was, that one was three weeks of hell. And, and the worst part of it was the first, the first side was easy because it was a creative side. So the second part, mirroring it over, so was a difficult. When somebody comes to you and they want to fabricate, you know, a custom build car, this, that, the other, when you see a car, you know, like a project that somebody wants to do something unique, different, um, whether it's old or new or just an oddball 70 Mercedes that they want to do a, you know, a big block or a LS swap in, where do you, where do your lines and how, how do you start? Like, you put pin to pad and say, okay, what is, what's the end game? Like, how do you create a, a build? Do you start as what the end result needs to be or, or what? You know, it's one of those things. It's like some of the bigger builders. I got it in my mind, the vision, what it looks like. Unfortunately, I don't have the talent to actually draw it out on paper, but I know, I know what's in my head and I know where it's got to go from A to B. But again, the challenge was some of my the guys that helped me out. It's like, try to explain that to them on paper. It's tough. So it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this part. I know what it's supposed to look like. And, 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 the other part of, of it is I have that freedom to go ahead and change as I go. Like if, if I start something and I don't actually like the way that it's going to actually look, it doesn't look like it was going to be right. I can go ahead and midstream and change it myself. Hey, it's Ernie's interpretive dance, man, That's whatever right. you want to do. But, but <laughs> I, I don't have anything on paper. Like I said, to do a rendering. Interesting. Yeah. And it's, it's just free. It's, it's freehand. If you, it's will. an interesting way to go. Right. Cause uh, you know, my day job, I work at Ford everything is cat everything is precise i mean you can measure everything down to some micron um and you know and that's how stuff gets made based off that data set but when i go in my shop when i build um i i like the freehand stuff i like to pull out the tape and to measure the string whatever i like to make templates you know where other buddies of mine that are that are similar they have the ability to do cat or like i'm not starting a cage until i can cat everything in there and it's like I don't know, man, I can kind of see it, but I like to be able to maneuver as I'm going, you know, like, because you think that's the way it should route. And then while you're sitting there staring at it, while you're fettling the tube, you go, oh, dude, let me scrap that one. And I'm going to run it this way. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I like yeah. the freedom yeah. to be able to work with what's in my head sometimes. Although it's great to have a roadmap, whether it's a foos drawing over here or whether it's a full print CAD model, whatever over there, you know? You know, sometimes you look at a drawing and, and, and it's a drawing. So scale and relative points don't actually match to reality. So at that point, you got to make concessions and, and do a style different or, or whatever. But, you know, I've, I've been approached a lot of times, you know, going back on, on trying to get a, a vision in my head using those plastic header kits. Yeah. To actually make it and then go ahead and duplicate that. My theory on that is by the time I spend the time and the effort, I'm making it out of a template or plastic, I can already make it out of the, 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 the steel and already be ahead of the game and be done. You know? well, that's some of the things I want to hit you up on. So why don't we take a quick break? Uh, we'll be right back. But I want to dive into some of your tips and tricks, right? Like what, what tools do you use? You know, what are you using a bandsaw to cut your tubing? You know, what type of blade? Do you find works real well because stainless eats stuff up? So why don't we, you know, take this little moment real quick. We'll come back and we're really going to, you know, pick out some of these lessons learned that you've uh, acquired over the years. I think it's going to be awesome. Okay. There you go, man. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Knowledge is next on the Two Guys Garage podcast. Back after the break.
It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, presented by CarParts.com. It is the smarter way to shop for all your vehicle's replacement, collision, maintenance, and repair part needs. CarParts.com. Kevin, this is where we get techie, man. People, grab your your number two pencil and some paper. Take notes because knowledge is coming at you. I got my crayons. Let's (laughs) do it. All right, man. Ernie, we're so glad you're here, man. This is cool. Um, Not everybody's going to make a set of headers, but... I think most of us would like to understand how you would make a set of how does one man just go about making a set of twisty old tubes like that and get it to work so damn well now there's a lot of header kits out there and i assume you know you're kind of working in some of that same space right you you could buy a flange right for your particular exhaust flange right and on the other end you got the collector now you tell me i mean typically what i'm trying to do is uh you know the flange has to go on the head so that's an easy one so you're starting at the beginning and your collector, right, you only got so many places for it. So that's kind of dictating. So I'll kind of figure out from, you know, at least most of the ports down to where I'd like a collector where I have space for it that it's about the length that I want. And I'll kind of mount that sucker up there and then I'll connect from A to B. But do you have, you know, do you like to start on one end and work your way out or what's your approach? You know, it's, it's different. I always used to have the mentality of starting from the front to the back. And, and again, when I first started out in this, I didn't know any better. I didn't have any contacts. So I would buy the header kit from, you know, off of, off the internet or whatever. And then realize that in the header kits, they're generic. There's not enough of the sharp bands. Uh, there's a lot of wasted material. So then after that, I get smart and I go to a supplier and just buy my bends and get my flanges and get the collectors. And it's, then you, then you get your your kit from there. Once the pieces are all there, you you can lay them out. I always start with 180 bends and then tight 90s, and I have a variety of them. You, you pretty much look, if you're doing an eight-cylinder car, um, There's I usually get 10 180 bends, and I usually get four tight 90s, and that'll get you through pretty much mm. any any configuration. All right. So the, the tight 90s, that's a, a smaller radius than the 180s are bent? It's, yeah, and, and the rule of thumb on that is if it's a two and a – Say it's a two and a quarter inch pipe. That's a big pipe. The quickest yeah. or the tightest radius they can do is two and a quarter. They can't do any tighter. And they won't do those in 180 bends because of the stress on the outside of the tube. It'll really thin it out bad on the backside. But um, from there, it, exactly what you said, put the flanges on, figure out where your collector is going to be, either tack welded in place, bolted in place somewhere. So now you have an A to B point. And then from there, now you got to look at um, oil filters, starters, steering, um, oil lines if they're in the way, uh, motor mounts. And, you know, to do a cheater way, you can actually look at, you know, a set of headers that are, you know, store-bought and that'll give you a little bit of a visual, but then you got to look at where all the dents were. <laughs> they had to clear all the stuff yeah. that, yeah. right? Because they, yeah. they always yeah. got to dent them. Um, so that'll give you a baseline, but you know, over the years for me doing this for so long, I kind of know, you know, how a Camaro goes, how a Chevelle goes, um, Mustangs will still give you a trouble just because of different Ford, combinations Ford, of Ford. Ford, Ford. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, are you typically using uh, like 304 or do you ever step up to like 321 stainless steel? I've, I've done, I've done one car 321 and that was for like an IndyCar style build. Um, but most of the stuff I get is 304 or I do mild steel and the guys get them ceramic coated. Okay. So yeah, typically in 304, you're in what, like, oh, is it 065 or 060? 60. 60? 
Okay, and yeah. you can get three twenty one down into like oh thirty five or oh forty. Yeah, but but again, you 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 have to watch when they when they bend it, they actually stretch the outside radius. So now even on 060, when they do a tight bend, that material is down, you know, sometimes 30,000 thick. It's, it's, it's pretty thin on the outside. That's why, yeah, the 321, it's a lot more expensive, but you, you can get the thinner wall because, you know, you know, once you've made a full length set of headers out of 060, it feels like a structural member of the car. You know, now granted, you want these things to last, but uh, if you're thinking about racing and thinking about weight, depending on what series you're in, um, that 321 can right. be a little pricey, but, you know, kind of a lightweighter version to go. It's the edge yeah. that they're looking for, yeah. What are some of the common mistakes when people are first, you know, they made, you know, one header, two headers, something like that, or, you know, they're moving on. What are some of the common mistakes people forget, don't tend to think about and or do uh, with the first, second, third set of headers? Do you mean like when they start to build and they get to the last one and the pipe doesn't fit anywhere? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how far do you mock up your tubes before you start welding? You know, like how do you connect, right? Because you're you're connecting all these pie pieces, right? So, so the way that I learned was just make that first one and go, make the second one go, third, and knock on what I've been lucky. And, okay, out of all the sets, I've maybe had to redone. I've done it, had to redone a, a tube or two on a, on a couple sets. I'm not going to lie about that. But you, So you take it all the way to the collector? Oh, yeah. Wow. First, first two. I'll go right, right there because I know maximum get it away from everything, so I got room for the rest. But, you know, in the beginning, I, I started doing a lot of the little pie shapes. You know, I, I'd have a piece that was uh, f- like a 45 piece and then another 45, and then, it, and then you start looking at it. It's like there's a lot of time in here just making and welding all these joints. A two-inch pipe. You know, you figure the circumference, that's a lot of square and a lot of inches that you're welding. So then you get a little smarter instead of doing all these stupid little pie shapes, you go back to the basics and either you, I start out with 90, 45s or 60s. So now instead of having these little wedges that you're having, you just simplified everything by hmm. downsizing your variety of cuts that you're doing so do you just uh go and cut a bunch of those 90 45s and 60s and just have them ready for you no 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 because again you don't know i I could have you know a couple 180 bends here some of them will have to be a 90 but then the next ones i gotta have on a 30 or whatever um then you're just gonna have a bunch of waste because you already cut some other ones up that you needed i cut them as i go um and then you know my I guess my gift is I can look at something because I've been doing it for a while and I can eyeball the angle and I can be pretty close on the first shot. I've had guys over here watching me do this. Like they, they can't believe I don't even measure. I don't do a tape measure. I just eyeball market, make the next one and go. And it, like you said, it's, it's one something I've been doing for a while. It's damn you talented. It's not natural, Jeez. but it's, it's easy. No doubt. No doubt. The rest of us are like measuring 15 times, cutting 14 times. Man, you, know. you a damn show off, Ernie. Show off. You, you know, but it, show off. okay, they always say you know, cut, measure twice, cut once, right? But in, in this case, cut it because if you're looking at something and you say, okay, it looks like it's on a 45-degree angle. So you go over on your saw and you mark your miter and whatever and chop it and do a 45 and put it on there. And it's like, man, this was off. But if I open this up another quarter inch, so, so why go through the hassle of over measuring something? 
eyeball it close, cut it, and then grind it, and then get it to fit in there. You're gonna, you're never gonna get it dead on right the first time. You're gonna do it. You're gonna have to. No, fit for it. sure, for sure. Now, how are you doing your cuts? Because, because that's something that you you trade off in your head. Like, oh, I could really spend some time measuring this, but if I'm wrong, I got to cut it again. And every time I go to cut, my bandsaw blade bounces off because you know the teeth are ripping out. Or to do like the mild steel stuff, you can get away with a one of the cheaper bandsaws, but. You know, when you're doing stainless steel, you got to get the good blades. They're more money, but they last longer. And then when I cut stainless, I always use a little bit of cutting oil, either mm. like a tap magic or some kind of cutting oils on there. My blades last way longer than they used to. That's a good um, tip. Okay. And then you got to have, a, like I said, you got to have a good, a good sturdy saw. You just can't have one of those little cheapy saws. Like you said, you go through there and sit there and bounces and chatters. The guides are all kitty wampus. And at the end of, you know, after you cut, you don't have a straight cut. Now you're grinding anyways. And then, you know, to do some of my final fits, I got a, I got a good belt sander that I put it up against and make sure you got a flat surface to made against the other pipe. Hold on. I just want to point out, look, when anything goes kitty wampus level, it's bad. So just, just want to point out <laughs> anything going the, kitty wampus The kitty level, parts are yeah, right. The wampus is all right, but when it's kitty and yeah. wampus, it's gosh. never good. Never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the solution to that is a little bit more welding rod, but you don't want to put a lot of right. welding rod in on a set of adders. Now, so for the guys, you know, right, cutting these tubes, because tubing is harder to cut, and especially stainless. Uh, you know, the blade, as you're cutting through, a, let's say, a whatever, two-inch, three-inch tube, per se, you know, it wants to squeeze the tube down. You know, the, the teeth catch the tube, then the tube will spring back again. Like, it just, it's catching and popping, and, and you can take teeth off a blade real fast. So you, you said cutting oil, and I, I use, like, a cutting wax, which seems to help pretty good, but sounds like the oil works pretty good. Well, that's the same thing. You probably wax your car with some stuff different than Willie waxes his car with. So <laughs> the same careful. thing, you're going to use a different cutting oil that I would use, but any kind of cutting oil is going to help then cut then leaving it dry to give you an example i used to cut dry with my saw blades and the saw blade would only last for one header job and then i started using the cutting oil on her and i get i get quite a few i can't tell you how many exactly but the saw blades last long enough where my supplier asked me if i started buying them from another place <laughs> I wasn't buying them as often as they used to all right nice. so are you fixturing the tube or are you just holding it with your hand and, and rotating I'm, it and you know i got some pretty good strong mitts and there's every now and then it'll when the when the blade starts getting a little bit on the dull side you'll get one that'll snag and i want to roll it in the saw but i no, i i just hold on to it tight okay manhandles it it's called manhandling it yeah. manhandle it that's right yeah but you know if you got some short piece or um Something small, obviously safety's first and you know, grab a pair of ice grips and grab the side of the tube and then, you know, go through and you got to be careful, but never gloves. Um, yeah. That'll take your hand you know. right in there, man. Oh, it'll suck it right in. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, good tips. Good tips. So I, I don't care about getting a little dirty as long as I got all my fingers at the end of the job. I'm good. Amen to that. Are you using like a super fine pitch on your blades or are you doing like it's 11 like a 14 14 18 pitch they call 14, 18? it and, okay. I, and i use uh my blades are three eighths thick um yeah again it, it not so much for the header pipes because it's always a straight cut but i'm kind of lazy and i don't change my blades from one product to another so if i got to do bandsaw like on a piece of aluminum do a, a little zigzagging and stuff the blade's good but it's three eighths wide is plenty enough to keep it straight when i'm cutting through some some stainless I, you made a comment, you know, about a piece of two inch or a piece of three inch, you know, you would think that, um, 
a three inch pipe would be easier to cut than the smaller one. And it's actually not because it's grabbing such a smaller amount with the blade that again, you better have your, your grips on that thing because it'll yeah, you start biting in on a bigger pipe, like a four inch piece of stainless, it'll want to roll that thing right out of your hands. Yeah. No gloves. And, and because it wants to roll, it's a good tip to deburr some of the tubes. So if it does yeah, kind yeah. of walk around a little bit, it's not slicing your hands up. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. You always get that cut mark on it. <laughs> yeah. From the end of the yeah. pipe. Uh, I got plenty of those. Giddy up. There's some good tips, man. I think, I think about six, seven guys out there ready to go out in the garage right now and try making a header. You, you know, <laughs> I, I've had, have had guys like I want to try doing this and stuff. Well, cutting and welding the pipe is the easy part. Okay. It's that you got to have the eye for it, the creative side, and you have to know where you're going with it. I could, I could do everything, tag it up and give it somebody and they can weld it up and say, Hey, I made a set of headers. The hard part is visualizing it and making sure it fits. Yeah. You know, the other part is just fabricating. This isn't fabricating. This is artistic work that you have to make, you know. One of these days I'm going to get that kit with all the little elbows and you can just twist it around. I'm going to, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get borrow one or something. Just try it. Cause I'm, I'm with you. I just build but what I do find that, you know, if, if you, you know, you start from the flange and work your way to the header or the collector or, or the other way around, if I butt the tube together nice, real tight, I can wrap a piece of tape around it, you know, just one inch tape, and it it holds good enough. Like, you can hold together a set of headers with tape before you go to tack it, right? So you can kind of tape one up to take some space, and then, ooh, how close can I get the next one? Uh, so I found that uh, I can I can tape for a good while before there's too much pipe length and it just sags. But it's enough to get a couple pipes in there and get confidence to go, okay, let me throw some tacks on here. You know, so between tacking and taping, you can kind of get these things building up before you make some real welding commitments, you know? So so a couple things I've, I've tried that, that method. If depending on the weight of the pipe with the tape, and then and then you got other issues of, how did you mark it? And if you marked it under the tape, the tape pulls the marker off. So what I actually do is I'll put the pipe on the car as I build it. I'll mark a line, then I'll take that off and I tack weld it up. And when I tack weld that one, the joint that I did previous to that one that's tacked, I weld that one up 100% because I know that one's done. Oh, that's confidence. And and Oof. and especially with stainless, you know how stainless, you can breathe on it, it'll, it'll, it'll walk on yeah. you. So now I have that one and I got the one ahead of it already welded. So as I keep going, I, I'm building it as I go and my pipes aren't going to move. Um, it's a little bit longer process to do it that way than the taping method. I've also tried to do the thing where you take a, um, like a small band clamp or a heavy duty hose clamp and you have a couple of clearance holes in it. And then you can actually use that as a clamping surface and then weld in between the holes while it's holding it. Um, to me, I can't, I, I can't do it that way. I I'm just, I'm just set on my process of what works for me. And so. Apparently it works really, really well. Ernie, how do people <laughs> find out more about you? Tell us where to find you socially online. Give us the details. I have a website. It's motofab.net. Um, that one has a, a lot of my earlier pictures of stuff that I've done my Facebook page under Ernie Miyamoto. And then I also have a motofab Facebook page also, um other than that if you see me buzzing down the road stop i'll be willing to talk to anybody about about whatever 
if you're anywhere near, you know, Southeast Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, uh, and if you want to just drive, because this guy, this guy can make it happen. Uh, you want some amazing fab, some killer exhaust, some one-off headers. Uh, this is definitely the guy, man. It's worth the trip. There you go. Don't forget about our show here at Weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Thanks to our guest, Ernie from MotoFab. Ernie, one more time, what's the website? MotoFab.net. My man, MotoFab.net. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie D. Our producer is Scoop and our executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Share with us your thoughts on social, man. We're everywhere. It's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. Now, Two Guys Garage Podcast is a copyright 2021 Britain Production Incorporated. All rights reserved. It's cool, man. You know, I haven't yet tackled my first full set of headers. I've done some stuff up to the flange, oh, a couple yeah. things like that. But, you know, I, one day, man, one day when I got time and a, a swear jar. When you're doing your first set, buy extra pipe, dude. That's all I can tell you because oh. you're going to. And the And the other thing I can tell you is make sure your miters are good. Because the last thing you want to do is actually cut it where you got a smooth radius and then all of a sudden it doesn't, it's not transitioned well. And you yeah, got you this step where, you, yeah, it, it's the pie shapes the wrong angle. I've seen that before too. And it, sometimes you don't have a choice, but I don't go down that route because it. I'm getting piped for days, earning pipe for days. <laughs> hey, we'll see you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Y'all take care. Thanks, Ernie. We'll see you guys next time. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.